name. Amen. They're going to receive the offering. Be sure to take time today to pray. This is a day of prayer. It's the, that's the one, yeah. There we go. Just before Pastor Poole comes to preach, I'd like for the Thames family to go ahead and come at this time. We're going to uh, have a baby dedication this morning. Actually, we're going to have a two-baby dedication. Brothers are dedicating their babies. And so as they come, do it, why don't you give them a, a good hand? You guys go ahead and come up here if you would. Step over this way. God bless you. Amen. So uh, this is uh, Jay and Kristen, and they are they are holding uh, Johnny Joshua, who was born August the 2nd, right? And uh, then we have Tori and Connie, and they are holding Shaylin Ashton. She was born back in January the 18th. And you guys want to come this way a little bit more. That would be great. Praise God. And so I just want to talk just a, just a little bit, and then we're going to pray and see God's blessing on your lives. This really is a blessed family, and I've had the privilege of knowing them for some time and uh, just appreciate the hand of God on their lives. As they come for this dedication, uh, parenting can be really one of the most rewarding things in life, Right? It, it really can be. Yesterday, uh, Cindy and I were with our youngest grandchild, uh, was turned one year old, and so we were with the kids and grandkids. And man, such a such a blessing, family and parenting. Uh, grandparenting's a lot more fun, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as rewarding as parenting is, uh, it is also tough. 
from the early years uh, of our children, uh, from all the way through to adulthood, parenting is a challenge. It's tough. And so this is the reason why these parents uh, have asked for their children to be dedicated to the Lord, is they want God to help them. And, you know, this isn't just a church ritual that we're doing here this morning. We, as a body of believers, are, are joining our faith with theirs in believing God's blessing on Johnny and Shaylin this morning, the, the hand of God. Uh, rest and abide on these children from now through their lives and that they come to know Christ at a very early age and the hope in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so there's a, a verse of Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. It's Samuel as a, as a young child. He was dedicated to the Lord, and it just says these brief words. It says, so Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And this is our prayer this morning is uh, that Johnny and Shaylin grow and the Lord would be with them. Amen? And so I would encourage you, if you'll just stretch your hands out towards the, this family, these uh, parents uh, and all the uh, rest of the family up here with them, they're going to be an influence on their lives. And so if you just uh, join your prayer with mine as we pray together right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we come before you in Jesus' name and, and uh, pray for Johnny right now. Your hand upon this young baby's life. Thank you, Jesus. He is a gift from you, and we recognize that along with these parents. For Kristen, God, for Jay, Lord, that you give them wisdom and ability beyond their means, God, that you would help them in parenting. Thank you for blessing their lives with Johnny, but we also pray your grace and help in their need. Lord, for little Shaylin, God love her. <laughs> uh, we thank you for the blessing that she is, Lord, and pray your hand upon her life, God, that you would bless her, God, body, soul, and spirit. For these parents, for Connie, God, for Tori, thank you for your hand on their lives. Lord, for your giving them guidance and direction and instruction in the raising of their daughter. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for who you are and who you are to these children, that your hand is upon their lives, upon these parents, Lord. We praise you for that. Thank you. Your touch on them right now. We thank you for it. We praise you for your goodness, your favor upon their lives. Thank you, Lord, for watching over, covering, keeping, blessing, body, soul, and spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. amen. God bless you. God bless you, Kristen, Jay, Connie, God bless you, Tori, God bless you, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, they deserve another big hand. Would you do that? Praise God. What a real blessing, uh, uh, Bill and Amy. You guys are, are blessed. You are. You're just tremendously blessed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, that's all i got to say. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Poole. Let's give him a hand as he comes. Preach. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God is good, isn't he? I agree with Pastor Alex. Uh, grandparenting is a lot funner. Amen. We should have started there. Amen. 
Uh, just one quick last announcement that I want to make known to everybody. Uh, there is going to be a new class starting um, at 9 o'clock in the morning on September 10th in room number 8. Uh, it's a class on the parables. This is an in-depth study on the parables. Uh, Brother Jeff Adams is going to be doing that, so you might want to uh, mark that down and go to that class. It's going to be a great class, lots of information. It'll be helpful, um, and it'll be rich for you and help you in your Christian walk. So mark that down. That will be on September 10th at 9 a.m., room number Eight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Romans chapter 6 this morning. Romans chapter 6. Yeah, I was just looking for that clicker. Thank you, sir. And uh, we'll begin there. Last week, uh, I ministered a message to you entitled, How Did We Get Here? And if you remember that message, it was, it was you know, not talking about our location, but talking about how did we get to where we are in our marriage, our finances, our health, our mental place, you know, all of those different things. And what we talked about in that is we talked about choices. And basically what we said in that message was we are today who we've chose to be yesterday. All of our choices that we made yesterday are affecting us today. Can you say amen? We are who we choose to be. We are the sum total of all of our choices. And whether it be good or bad, righteousness or sin or uh, success or failure, the choice is yours. I need you to understand this morning that there has been a great power invested into your life. And that power is the power of choice. Okay, that's something that God gives you. It is God's sovereign will that we would have a free will. Okay, I know that, that might get a little complicated. How does that work? But it's God's sovereign will that you have the right of choice. Can you say amen? amen. Now, what we need to understand in that statement, we need to understand that our lives matter. Okay, here's part of the problem with modern-day Christianity is we, we, not the devil, not society, we tend to marginalize who we are. We tend to marginalize ourselves and set ourselves aside as if our life doesn't matter. Well, I want to tell you today, your life matters, and if your life matters, then the choices that you are making currently matter. They make a difference. The choices that you're making are powerful. Can you say amen? And what we said in that message last week is that each day, every day, today you've made choices that are going to affect your future, but the most important choice that you make is how you respond to God. How we respond to God is above and beyond everything. It's head and shoulders above. Will we respond in faith or will we respond in fear? Will we respond and allow him to be our Lord, or will we insist on our way? Are you hearing me? How we respond to God, the choice that we make in that is going to determine what our future looks like. So if you are not happy with your future, or if you are not happy with your present, you have to look back at the choices that you've made. Amen. 
If you don't like what's going on, stop for a moment. Here, see, here's part of the problem. Part of the problem is we've got into this very insidious thing of blaming everything else. We want to blame the system. We want to blame, you know, mom and dad. We want to blame culture. We want to blame this. We want to blame that. And I know that all of those things play a part in it. But at the end of the day, nothing can take the power of choice away from me. I get to choose how I'm going to respond to God. I get to choose what I'm going to do with the gift of God in my life. I get to choose. Can you say amen? And ultimately, that choice determines my destiny. Now listen, choosing isn't always easy. Choosing right is even more difficult. Sometimes choosing right means that I'm going to have to go against the flow. When it comes to peer pressure or, you know, everybody's going this way, but something on the inside called the Holy Spirit begins to tell me, don't go that way. It can cost me, but it's still the right choice. Can you say amen? Sometimes that means I have to put my will down or, or my, myself down. I might have to say no to self. Amen. To make the right choice. It's not always easy, but let me tell you, God's grace for those choices, is always there. I can complain or I can walk in faith. The choice is mine. It's a lot easier to complain, I'll be honest with you. I love complaining. I love it. Man, I I can complain with the best of them. But somewhere I have to make a choice that says, you know what, God, I'm not going to complain about this. I am going to walk in faith. I'm going to look to you. Instead of what I see around me. I choose that. I choose to believe you are my healer and I'm healed. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what medical science says. I don't even care what my symptoms say. I choose to believe your word. Your word says let every man be a liar, but let God be true. So I choose to believe you. I know the checkbook says zero, but God says there's more than enough. I know the meal is gone, but tomorrow it will be there again. I know the oil seems like it ran dry, but there is more because God said so. I choose that. Sometimes we've got to look at the devil and go, devil, I choose to reject you. And I submit to God. And I'm going to tell you, when you do that, it changes everything. Somewhere what we have to do is we're going to have to probably get a little bit riled. Maybe a little. And go, wait a second. I am going to make a better choice here. Are you hearing me? See, I believe the greatest hindrance to Christian living is not the devil in all his power. The attacks. Yes, the devil comes against us. Yes, there are days where he's fighting us. But that's not the problem. See, the problem, here, listen, the devil is defeated. If you were to see the devil right now, you would see a little tiny guy with his head caved in. Jesus took a great big ugly stick called the cross and beat the devil with it. Amen. He went right into hell. He took death, hell, the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he took all the power and the authority that Adam gave up. He got it back, and he made an open display of the devil. 
He defeated him for us. So what is the hindrance? It's the choices I make. See, a lot of times I choose to believe the lie. Devil says, you know what? You're just fat, ugly, and no good. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) The mirror tells me that. All I got to do is look in the mirror and see that's true. God says, no, no, I don't look at the outside. I look at the inside. Come on now. So I have to choose. Am I going to choose what God says or am I going to choose what hell says? Amen. Come on now. The truth is we're hindered by our own choices. Devil don't have to do it. I can see judgment day. I can see it. Here's the devil standing there, and everybody's going, he made me, you know, the Flip Wilson thing, if you're old enough to know who Flip Wilson is, the devil made me do it. He goes, no, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do a thing. You chose. I just made, I just pointed out the choice. All I did is say, look, that looks fun, don't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I went for it. Are you hearing me? Oh, the devil made me do it. He didn't make, he can't make you do it. Yes, he can't. No, he cannot. It's a lie. Well, you don't understand the devil. I understand him. He's defeated. It's your choice. (laughs) Everyone in this room has made bad choices. I'm not even going to have you show your hands. Thank you, Shannon. I I, I do appreciate it. I appreciate your honesty, but all of us should have our hand up at some point. We've all made bad choices. We've made series of bad choices. We've had years of bad choices. Amen. And overcoming bad choices isn't really that hard. You can overcome it. You say, well, how do I do that? By making good choices. All you have to do is change how you choose. Now, this is where it gets interesting, and this is where I want you to pay attention, and I want you to think about this with me, because this is going to be very practical advice. So how do we learn to choose well? Well, I want you to look at our text. It's uh, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse number 11. The Bible says these words. Reading from the New Living Translation, it says, So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to sin, or dead to the power of sin, and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So sin no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master, for you, are, uh, you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Now you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Do not you re, do, don't you realize that you, you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. This is a powerful portion of Scripture. Listen to what I'm saying. This, this whole Scripture, this whole passage out of the Word of God is about choosing. 
about making right choices. Look at it. Just let's take a moment. Look at it. You should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. He says, consider it. You should consider, make a choice. Choose to believe I'm dead to that power. See, back in the day before salvation, I couldn't do anything but sin. Now that I'm saved, I have a power to reject it. It's my choice. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. A choice. Choosing. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. A choice. What am I going to do with my body? Instead, choice, give yourself completely to God. He says, don't you realize whoever you choose to obey you will become slaves of whoever you obey. All because of a choice. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. The emphasis or the power of this is on choosing. But the real nitty-gritty here, the thing that really stands out, is that we've been empowered to choose. That's incredible. We've been empowered to choose. You've been set free from the power of sin, death, failure, separation from God, and you have been completely equipped to choose who you will serve. Question is how? How am I going to do this? How am I really going to make this work in my every? Day life. See, the problem is we can know we have the power, but never know how to access the power. So that's what I'm going to teach you today. And we're going to look at this in a very, very common sense, simple way. We must understand this morning what makes a good choice. That's the first thing we got to do. We've got to understand what is this choice made up of? We looked at it briefly last week. Very quickly at the end of the sermon, but today we're going we're gonna to examine this a little bit. A good choice begins with foresight. Now, I want you to think about this with me because I'm going to take you down this road. By definition, foresight is the ability to predict what will happen or the need in the future. It's forethought. It's anticipation. It's prudence. Literally, foresight is the ability to look down the road and see. To lift up your eyes and look down the road. See, you know what I have discovered is most Christians live their Christianity like teenagers drive a car. Do you remember when you first started driving the temptation to always look just right out front what's just right past just past the hood just just past the bumper the problem with that kind of driving is you're always over the because you never see what's coming you never see the curve in the road you never see the guy with his brakes on you never see the pothole you always just what's right in front of me well a lot of christians live that way a lot of people live that way they live their lives based on what's happening at the moment Whatever is happening at the moment is the most important thing. And what's out there is irrelevant to them. Amen. 
And so you hear things like this. You, you'll say, hey, you know, you probably ought to reconsider that because you know what, down the road that could cost you. And they'll say things like that. Well, I'll, I'll deal with that when I get there. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. The problem is, is what you're saying, and oftentimes what we do is we're saying, when I get there, I'll just look for a bailout. I'll just look for a bailout. And that's been the problem with a lot of people is they just, they don't take any consideration. They don't look down the road. So they do whatever feels good at the moment, knowing that it could cost me, but somebody will get me out of it. Our whole society is built on this. Our whole society is built on the fact that if you get into too much trouble, somebody will come along and bail you out. It's amazing to me how many people come to the church, and if we don't drop everything and help them in that moment, how angry. They will say things like this, well, what kind of Christian are you? Oh, so my Christianity now, I'm responsible to bail you out of your bad decisions? Come on. Let's look what the Bible says. Proverbs 27, 12 says, A prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. A prudent person, a wise, sensible, well-informed person. The kind of person that evaluates everything, not from where it is, but from where it's heading. See, there are some things in life that are okay in the moment, but down the road, they're not so healthy. There's some things that we can choose right now that may not affect us right now, but it will affect us down the road. And without foresight, we never see it. And then we wonder, what's happening? And then we call on God and we say, you know what, God, what's going on? Help me, please help me. And it's the epitome of needing a bailout. One man said it this way. He says, miracles are not an escape clause for somebody who continually and willfully ignores the wisdom of the word of God. Now, does our God a God of miracles? He is absolutely. Is he a good and gracious God? Absolutely. Does he forgive and make the difference even in our lives? Is he faithful when we're faithless? Without a doubt. But he, listen, church, he is a good father. God is not always concerned about your comfort as much as he is concerned about your development. See, when we put comfort over development, we're making bad choices. And sometimes what God does is he allows and will utilize the consequences of choices to bring us into a place where we learn how to respond to him. Now listen, you are always in his hand and he is always watching you with his watchful eye and he never lets you come to a place where you're going to die or you're going to lose control. He's always there. His grace is always available, but he doesn't always respond just because you need a bailout. See, listen, God does not respond to need. Yeah. 
You say, well, what does he respond to? Faith. Your need is not what he's responding to. Your faith is. Because if that were true, God would be doing everything everywhere, and we just see that that's not happening. But where we see him responding is where faith is being chosen. Listen, I'm I'm not here to tell you that God won't respond to you when you're in need, even if it's your bad choice. But I am here to tell you that your bad choices don't just make God jump. Are you hearing me? Somewhere along the line, we've got to exercise some foresight. Then we have to exercise some insight. By definition, insight is the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person or thing. The Bible calls it discernment. One man put it this way. He says, in its simplest definition, discernment is nothing more than the ability to decide between truth and error, right and wrong. Discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in our thinking about truth. In other words, the ability to think with discernment is synonymous with the ability to think biblically. Think about that for a moment. It's the ability to take a a situation, a choice, and measure it and put it into the context of biblical truth. That's insight. That's discernment. To say, you know what, I know there's a lot of things out there that I could do. There's a lot of things that aren't necessarily sinful or wrong, but there's a lot of things out there that aren't healthy. So I'm going to take this choice, and I'm going to measure it by the Word of God. Here's the problem. Most people have not enough depth of the Word of God where they can measure anything. So what we do is we're forced then to go to the lowest common denominator, and that is our current feeling or mood. And so what God's saying is, look, at somewhere along the line, you've got to have this discernment. Do you know discernment is a gift of God? It's something that the Holy Spirit will do. But if we reject that moving, if we resist that moving, if we are standoffish of that and go, no, then we will have a hard time at choices because we'll never move in that discernment. That discernment is something that we need to pay attention to. Listen to what the Bible instructs us in. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22, it says, but examine everything carefully hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil then he goes on in first john 4 1 he says do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god because many false prophets have gone out into the world he says test it pay attention to it see what you know this is the thing that just amazes me this is probably where i start venting my pet peeve The things that people will believe. You know, back in the 70s and the 80s, if you're old enough to remember those years, you'll remember things like the National Enquirer and, you know, those kind of, you know, the Globe. And they were, what were they? They they, they were the tabloids. Remember, you'd go to the grocery store and it would always be a headline. It'd say, you know, 200-year-old nun gives birth to seven-headed snake. And it was immaculate conception. And, and, And it's like, oh. You know, you know, the Pope, the new Pope found on the moon, you know, and, you know, all, and we go, oh, did you hear that? And we bought into it. We believed it. We don't have, you don't go to the grocery store and find tabloids anymore. What we have is this new invention. It's called Facebook. And it amazes me what people will believe over Facebook, on Facebook. 
the other day I, I, I was looking on a thing and a, a guy had posted it says uh, uh, Mars is coming closest to the earth in 2,000 years. It will look the size of the moon. <laughs> if Mars gets as close to the earth as the moon to look, we're all in big, big trouble. Really, really big trouble because that's a lot of gravitational pull. And the, you're going to have tidal waves, you know, washing all the way into Colorado. Do you understand? But people go, oh, yeah, you know, and you watch, you go look at the comments. Oh, that'll be so cool. I need to watch for this. What? You're buying into that? Just the insanity that we buy into. Here's here's always the fun one that I love is people, I I talk to people about the Bible and they go, well, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't know if I could buy into the Bible. It was written by man. Well, so was all the other stuff. Do you believe that? Come on. Well, you know, they, they, these people research it. Well, go research your Bible. <laughs> Come on now. It's, that, isn't it fun to just poke at human nature a little bit? But that's what we do. We run with rumor. Did you hear about Pastor Poole? Did you hear about him? He ran off with the lead singer. He ran, off, he ran off with that lady that runs the children's church. Yeah, wow. I'm telling you. What's he doing with her? Well, if you want to know the truth, probably watching Stargate eating popcorn. But we'll turn it into something. Did you hear what they did? All somebody's got to do is put out something that sounds a little controversial. And what do we do? We bite into it, and we grab it, and we run, and we begin to make choices. We make choices. Well, I ain't going to that church no more. He's running off the children's director. Did you ever ask? Did you ever say, well, who is the children? Oh, it's his wife of 31 years. Oh, that makes sense. He said, why, why are you spending time here? Because what I find is that if we would just do those two verses of Scripture right there, we would probably solve 90% of our difficulty. Amen. What is it? It's discernment. It's the, it's the ability to have some insight. Well, where do we go from there? Well, you've got to have foresight. You've got to have insight. And then you've got to have some hindsight. You know what hindsight is? It's 2020, isn't it? Hindsight is 2020. It's your experience. See, if you ever are going to work on electricity, take some advice from me. Make sure the electricity is turned off and there is no one standing by the switch. He said, how do you know that? Well, because there was a time in my life when I was standing on a ladder holding some wires, leaning against a metal building with a screw in my mouth and somebody turned, turned the electric on and it was arcing between my teeth and I was vib- vibrating. And I learned... I learned, don't do that. Just don't. I remember I've absorbed a lot of electricity over the years. I remember one time standing in a puddle of water by an electric fence that kept horses in. And if you know anything about those electric fences, what they do is they send a charge one way and it sends it back. And it's, got, it's like a little bit, of, it's, they slow the 60 cycle megahertz or the uh, cycle hertz down. And they slow it down. But when you're standing in water and you grab the wire to look closer... It knocks you out. That's experience. And you know what? If you, hey, if you think education's expensive, you ought to try experience. It can really cost you. 
but we need it. And you know what the problem is, is most people aren't learning from their past. They think somehow this time the fence won't bite me. This time, when I hold the screw in my mouth and he turns the switch on, I can hold the black wire and the white wire, and it won't hurt. Sometimes, somehow, this time, I can run my mouth, and it won't cost me. Or this time, I can walk in fear, and it won't hurt me. Or this time, I could do my own thing. No, we, we, when you're making choices, you've got, to look at, you've got to look down the road. How's that going to affect me in the future? You've got to have some, that's foresight. You've got to have some insight and be able to discern, what am I doing? Is it good or bad? And then you've got to have some hindsight and go, you know, I, I've been here before. I've stepped in the bear trap before. I, I'm going to avoid it this time. Now, I want to take this just a little bit further if I can and I want, to, I want to show you some things. Because that's what good choices are made of. But good choices are also surrounded by some principles that I think we need to pay attention to. The first one is this. You need to choose the spiritual over the carnal. Choose the spiritual over the carnal. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says this in... in Matthew 6, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, we know that verse comes out of the context of worry. Jesus is dealing with people that are worried about a, a whole lot of things. But it is also the context of priority. Because Jesus says, he, he goes, you know what? I know that you're concerned about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, and where you're going to live. He says, and I know you're seeking those things, and those are good things to seek. He says, but you need to understand that God is aware of it. And he says, what you need to do is you need to put the kingdom first, and then God will make sure all of that is there. He says, this is what the Gentiles seek after. And in this context, the Gentiles... Re- represent unbelievers unbelievers are consumed with all of these things so believers should be consumed with the kingdom so you say okay so you're saying the spiritual over the carnal well what's the carnal let me show you the difference let me show you the difference between spiritual and carnal it's very easy the spiritual is anything where god's in the lead if god's in the lead it's spiritual Anything that your flesh is in lead, that's carnal. There's a lot of things in life that can look spiritual, but it's carnal because it's your flesh at work. So the principle of good choices, the principle of making good choices comes when we consider and we make the choice in the atmosphere of the spiritual over the carnal. Are you hearing me? The spiritual... Over the carnal. Seek first the kingdom. The problem for a lot of people is the kingdom is way down on the totem pole. It's not that they ignore it. It's not that they don't even care about it. It's just there's a lot of other things that are ahead of it. It's like, well, you know, I don't know if I got time for that. You can't afford not to have time for it. This is why we were created. This is why we were created. It's to serve God, to seek his kingdom. He told us even when we pray, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
right at the onslaught or, or, or the, the beginning of our prayer, the onset, onslaught, onset of our prayer, we pray kingdom first. Kingdom. Kingdom come. We are the representatives of the kingdom. You've been made ambassadors for Christ. That's why, as I said in the beginning of the message, why we need to understand that you are so very important. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what you've done or or where you've done it. If you're saved, your life is significant. Even if you're not saved, your life is significant. You just don't know it yet. And that's why we got to choose the spiritual over the carnal. The next one, we need to choose the eternal over the temporal. The eternal over the temporal. See, so many times we make decisions in, in the atmosphere of things that are temporary. Things that are going to change. Oftentimes that's what happens in, in marriages. When we, we get upset, we, get, we go through problems. It's like, well, okay, you know what, fine. I'll just get me a new one. We do it in jobs. We do it with all kinds of things, strife and different things are going on. And so what we forget is it's a season. Some of the greatest words that were ever spoken in the Bible were, it came to pass. This season will pass. And so what we do is we end up making decisions and choices based on something that is temporary. Oftentimes I tell people in counseling, don't raise the sail in the midst of the storm. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit ministry. Be in the midst of a storm, midst of difficulty, and I'm feeling bad, and I don't know what to do. And so what I want to do is I just want to throw up my hands and say, that's it, that's it I'm done. I'll go somewhere else. I'll do something different. But the moment I begin to raise that sail, make that decision in something that's temporary, all it does is tear my boat up. What I need to do is batten down the sails and, and, and come into a place where I work through the storm, and when we get on the other side of it, reconsider my decision. Look what he says. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Church, we got to stop making decisions that affect our life on temporary information. Are you hearing me? The next one is God's will over man's will. This is where it gets a little, probably a little more rubber meets the road. If you remember, I told you last week, I, I, I told you that, you know what, somewhere along the line, it's really about the lordship of Jesus, isn't it? See, there's a lot of people that have made Jesus his, their savior, but they haven't made him lord. Yeah. And so you say, well, what does that look like? Let, let me just show you. Let me, can I be a little vulnerable with you? I'll be honest with you. If I had my choice, if I was going to go by my will, I would not live in Arizona. I would be either in Vancouver or I'd be in Ireland or I would be in Scotland. I'd be somewhere where it's cloudy, rainy, cold, dark. I'd be having mold grow on me. That's what I'd be. I'd I'd be out in the woods. That's how I would function. That's what I like. And you know what? That would make me happy. But the problem is it wouldn't make me joyful. 
See, the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. The problem is we substitute happiness, our will, for his will. Happiness is based on a happening. It's temporary. When the circumstance, sun comes out. Go back. Here, let me just give you a little theology. Go back and read the book of uh, uh, Jonah. Jonah, you know, he was mad, right? He didn't want to do what God told him to do. He wanted to go the other way. So he does. He ends up in the belly of the fish, right? He prays to God. Belly of the fish spits him up on the shore. He goes to Nineveh. He reluctantly goes, says, okay, fine. God's going to kill you if you don't repent. And you know what? And they repent. And he's mad. So he goes out in the desert. And he's mad. And he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, God does something really great for him. He, he causes a plant to come up to provide shade and food and all this stuff. And he's like, thank you, Jesus. But the next day, the plant and the food's gone. And he's mad at God again. This is a guy <coughs> that's living in the counsel of his own will. Yes. What makes him happy. See, when you do the will of God, see... Even though I'm in Arizona, I'm in the will of God. And there is great joy and satisfaction that comes nowhere else but in that place. That's where the kingdom is found for me. And it's until he makes the change, if he should ever. I would rather be in his will than in mine. Mine is temporary, his is eternal. His is spiritual, mine is carnal. Are you kind of seeing the picture there? In closing, the last one. Oh, let me show you this verse first, I'm sorry. In John 5, 30, 30 it says, I can do nothing. I, he says, of myself, do nothing. That, that verse ought to arrest you. Because in that contains the gospel. Jesus came as a man, he walked as a man, he put on humanity, and he did everything he did through humanity, not divinity to show us what we were capable of as human beings in right relationship with the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on, he goes, As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. That is good decision-making. And then finally, as we close, we need to choose commitment over comfort or convenience. Commitment over convenience. See, we've become a society that's really kind of keyed in on convenience. So I don't mind serving God as long as it's convenient. I, I, don't, I don't mind God. Hey, if you, hey, pastor, you know what? If you need help, that's great, not a problem. But, you know, my schedule's pretty busy. What God's looking for is Commitment. We need to make our decisions based on the commitment that we have in him, not the convenience of our life. Amen. He said, why is that? Why, why, why does that matter? Because you matter. See, you've marginalized yourself thinking that I contribute nothing to the church. Your person, your attendance com- contributes. We are stronger with you than without you. And so when you make a choice out of convenience, well, it's not convenient for me to go. Sometimes it's not convenient for me to go. Really? Yeah. I know. Sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes there's other things. But I'm not going to make my decision based on the convenience. I'm going to make it on the commitment. 
Are you hearing me? It's those principles. It's, it's, it's the foresight. It's the insight. It's the hindsight that comes in the atmosphere of the spiritual, in the atmosphere of the eternal, in the atmosphere of God's will, in the atmosphere of commitment. When we make those decisions, we won't make wrong ones. And there will be a joy, there will be a righteousness, a peace that rises because the kingdom will rise. It's not that it's not there, it's in you right now. It just becomes alive and you begin to see it and you're able to acknowledge its presence. And it will change your life. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, right now we just come before you. and We thank you, God, for this wonderful message. We thank you, Lord, for the revelation of how to choose well. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, that these words, these truths, God, would be implanted and imparted and and written on the table of our heart. Father, I pray, God, that you'd encourage us in this. Help us to choose well. Father, we pray your grace, that empowerment, that effectual working of your power moving in our lives. Lord, that when we're confronted with the varieties of choices, God, that we would choose well. We thank you for it, Lord. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name.